0: Here we are on Friday, February 24th. Welcome to Word and Worship. We're going to be talking about Samaria's Savior, which is, of course, of course, Jesus Lord, Jesus Christ our Lord, right? So we're going to be doing something unique here. I usually have a partner in crime with Gus, but he is picking up Amanda, Grace, and Chris. Uh, they're going to be in Birmingham speaking at Robin Bullock's church this weekend. If you can make that, that would be awesome. I might be able to, I just found out I might be able to get a free flight to my, my Mile, so I might end up being there in Birmingham this weekend, we'll see. Uh, but again, that'll be the Sunday service for Robin Bullock that Amanda's going to be at. But we're going to be digging into God's Word, Samaria's Savior, and really doing worship as well as we're doing it. So, so that's, I think, the important part is we're in God's Word to be able to worship Him as well. Uh, I want to start kind of with a key passage that... Uh, we're going to be talking about today and then we'll get into um, a little bit of worship and come back and analyze uh, the whole last part of John 4. So we went over the woman at the well last week and so go ahead and watch last Friday if you want to get to the context of the woman at the well and what happened afterwards. We're going to be going what happened afterwards here and finish up chapter 4 of John. So if you want to turn to that I'm um, to be using the ESV version. Gus loves the KJV, so we kind of go back and forth on these different areas. But let's uh, dig into what the main scripture we're going to be going over here. It's really out of John 4, 39 and 42, where it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days and many more believe because of his word. Very key part. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. And this is coming from Samaritans, right? That's gonna be the key part of what we're gonna dig into. Why was this amazing, especially to a Jewish person uh, the samaritans why did the samaritans really not like jesus right that's another thing that we'll dig into as well and this uh, or, or jews not like samaritan samaritan's not like the jews right so we'll dig into that as we go forward here so let me flip over first to just let's just worship him right now we're gonna we're gonna just say raise a hallelujah right just uh just sometimes sometimes our belief can be uh lower than what we need it to be but if we just uh, raise up the raise a raise a hallelujah, then then we can raise a hallelujah to the savior of this world, right? So let's dig into this a little bit. I'd like to dig into the scripture. If there's anybody backstage that wants to do a little reading, let me know. But there's a the, the main thing of this song is raising hallelujah. What's the word hallelujah mean? Some people don't know, right? Hallelujah, The first part of that is a joyous praise in song, and Jah refers to Yahweh, which is God. Right? So put together, we joyfully praise God in song. That is what we are going to do in love right here the next uh, hour plus, maybe hour and a half, as we get into his word and worship him. And Psalm 50, uh, 95 one says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Another key verse, the second one here, is in the presence of our enemies. All right? That's what psalm 23 5 where it says god you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows what a beautiful picture that also talks about our weapon is a melody he appointed those who were to sing to the lord it's so like i got to put the wrong version up here uh, the appointed those who were to sing to the lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before him and went before the army and when they began to sing and praise the lord set an ambush against the men who had come against judah so that they were routed they all helped to destroy one another so this is a real key look at this this is in chronicles where they put the the praise band in front of the army just think about that in today's world listening about a bunch of praise a praise band <laughs> right in front of the army and God fought the battle for them so they didn't have to fight it right and the last part of this is heaven comes to fight for me right? Deuteronomy 322 says you shall not fear for it is the Lord your God who fights for you and that is a beautiful so we're gonna dig into that right now let's sing a hallelujah.
1: raise a hallelujah presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah louder than
0: about the savior of Samaria. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what was going on in Samaria at this point in time, right? Um, At Jesus's time, maybe even go back all the way to the 12 tribes of Israel during the conquest when they took over um, the evil people of that land, right? And get into really, why is this a big deal that Jesus was talking to that Samaritan woman and really get into the, de- the details of um, the amazing revelation that the Samaritans had that Jesus was the Messiah. And the very fact that Jesus pretty much revealed himself first publicly to the Samaritans, and to the Samaritan woman, right? That's kind of an amazing, amazing thing to think about. So let's dig into some of the scripture. And I'm gonna go back all the way to where we left off the end of last week, where we talked about the woman at the well just an amazing thing. We showed some of the chosen series there, right? And uh, now after um, she said, come see a man who told me all I ever did, can this be the Christ? They went out, out of the town and were coming to him. So uh, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, rabbi eat because, but, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Isn't that kind of funny? So here obviously Jesus is talking about a spiritual matter. He uses the physical often to talk about a spiritual matter sometimes, right? And uh, we'll see in this case, it's uh, very similar. So by the way, Gus might try to come on on the mobile when he's driving Amanda home or um, when he gets to the hotel. So we'll, we'll let you know when he comes on as well. He's got deep insight to scripture. It's always fun to teach with him. Um, but here, he, here he's talking about this food um, it, and, he, and Jesus is going to expand on this a little bit as well. Now they're thinking about, oh my goodness, did somebody give something to eat? We, we were worried about him not having enough food. So Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit of the eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps. Sent you to reap for, I'm sorry, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that you, for which you did not labor. And there's a little eye over here I missed. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So some pretty interesting stuff. Let's unpack a little bit. First of all, he says what his food is. His food is to do the will of the Father, right? So he's feeding on the word of God. He's feeding on the Lord, right? And we need to feed on the, the word of God. And, uh, and it, so he's really making that spiritual parallel when they thought he was talking about something physical. And do you not say there are four months, then then he gets into a whole other concept about obviously um, sowing and reaping. And it's really interesting in the Old Testament prophets, everything are all pointing to Jesus, right? And the, the Messiah, They're all, that, that was really how they were saved. It's, it's like we're saved today looking back on the death of Jesus on the cross, they were looking forward to the Messiah, right? Now, in that meantime, since they didn't have the new covenant, didn't have the sacrificial once for all sacrifice, they had to do animal sacrifices, but they were looking forward always to the Messiah. They were working so hard, waiting for that Messiah. And I'm just gonna adjust this window a little bit because some people are coming on backstage. Welcome to everybody. I appreciate you guys being on backstage here. Um, and you guys can type in some questions as well if you'd like as as we move forward here, and we'll get go, we'll actually do those live um, on backstage after this after we get through this teaching. But um, this is this is real interesting because I believe this applies to today, and that's what I love. I'd love to talk talk about scripture and see how it applies to today, right? It's just like we our food is feeding on the word of God. That's the main thing how we spiritually are strengthened, right? And he, and he came as his food to do the will of the Father. Now we do this sowing and reaping thing, There's all kinds of par- uh, uh, yeah, parables that he gives on this as well. But what I love about this part here is, is he's talking about this kingdom of God that's gonna come right now after he dies on the cross, right? That 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 you're gonna be able to, uh, you know, he said you can make them fishers of men, right? That So they didn't, and a lot of the preparing their hearts came from all the old work of the, of the Old Testament prophets and everything that come up to here. And then obviously John the Baptist, when he was getting everybody to, to repent, and uh, Jesus' work. And then all of a sudden, how are they gonna harvest all this? How are they gonna sow everything? Uh, and how are they, I mean, how are they gonna reap everything that's already been sowed? Well, they are going to do that because obviously the savior of the world's there and you're gonna see it all over the place. And we start to see a glimpse of that, and it's not gonna be just the Jews right that's the exciting message that came here is that is wow he's revealing himself as the messiah for the first time to the samaritan woman at the well who was obviously down on her luck had five husbands um was very depressed coming in the middle of the day so nobody else would see her and jesus goes there to purposely meet her goes to samaria to purposely meet her and uh but this message up here in this paragraph is really getting into the disciples hey you're about ready to reap a ton and then what's gonna happen is that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together so obviously Jesus who's basically gonna be alive in heaven um, you're gonna have John the Baptist who's gonna be alive in heaven at this time right and they're gonna and the angels are gonna be all all uh, really rejoicing with us as we see people come to Christ right or if they see people coming to the kingdom of God so that's just a beautiful concept, I believe. Uh, just the whole, as and and that's the way as we are going to see this great harvest that's coming up. We need to be prepared for that, right? And you may have sowed seeds in some of your family and friends. You haven't seen the results of it yet, but who knows? Who else, somebody else is? It's a whole about watering and. And, and, and you water the seed, you plant the seed, somebody else waters it and the Holy Spirit comes in and I think we're gonna see a lot of our family members, a lot of people we don't even know, even these, these rough and tumble people that, uh, of the world that are down and out are gonna be coming to the Lord God Almighty in the great harvest and we get to be a part of that. So it's our jobs to prepare for that right now and it's kind of what Jesus was de- preparing his disciples for what's gonna happen. And the Samaritans is a good example because if you look back at Samaria, it's interesting to look at a few maps. Um, this is a detailed map I'll get into in a second, but uh, to, to look at a more simplified map, uh, back here when you had the 12 tribes of Israel, right? You obviously had these two tribes down here, which is Judah and Simeon. And when they had the divided kingdom later, after Solomon sinned late in his life, and his son son uh, was what pulled the, the northern kingdoms around him, and all these other 10 tribes of uh, Reuben and Benjamin, and. Ephraim and Dan and these half-tribes of Messiah and Gad, all all these uh, were were where Israel was. So you had Israel over here. And Samaria ended up being in the northern kingdom, right? And Jerusalem's here in Judah. But it's interesting to see because this is after the conquest and the 12 tribes. So what you had is these evil kings in the northern kingdom. Every one of them, all 20 of them. Nineteen and twenty were completely evil. One of them was kind of in between, but they didn't have a good king the entire time after the divided kingdom. And the Samaritans, once they got taken over by Assyria, and Assyria came and took over all this while Judah was still going for another 150 years, right? They they uh, put a bunch of Gentiles there on purpose as they exiled many of them, and there are some Jews left there, but they basically bred with the Gentiles, so they. They were they they the Jews actually referred to them as half-breeds. They also created their own religion, right? They they because they didn't want to go down to to, to Jeremiah. They resented the southern tribes and before before the Samaritans actually created their own religion. And um, and, I, and I'm going to blow up on this a little bit to see if you can see this. But there's this Mount Gershom right here where this is. They, they basically um, what's the best way to say that? Let's see if I can blow up more here I think I can Matt Garrison, right here this is where they worshiped versus Jerusalem down here alright so you had the temple here in Jerusalem and so they made their own religion and they rejected a lot of a lot of the pieces of uh, they, they believed the five in the five first books but they rejected a lot of other scriptures of the, the, of, of, the, of the Old Testament and basically created their own religion so here you have people that are basically worshiping the wrong god as well as worshiping in the wrong place and when nehemiah and ezra came back to build the temple remember after it got after then obviously the southern kingdoms as you know get overtaken and going back to this map right then then, then persia takes over this but the babylonians do eventually cyrus comes back and takes it over but before nehemiah and and others come over to basically rebuild the temple in jerusalem Right, so back to the detailed map. So here in Jerusalem, here's the mortality. They're rebuilding the temple. Well, the Samaritans didn't want them to do that, right? So there was animosity between uh, Jews thinking these are half-breed people who corrupting the truth, true religion, and the Samaritans being offended by them, and they just hated each other with a passion, right? In fact, in fact almost to the point where um, if you Look at this. Uh, there's another map I have here that I wanted to grab. See if I have that. Here it is. This, this. If you look at the time of Jesus, you had Samaria in between Galilee, where there's a bunch of Jews, and this is the time when the Romans owned all, all, of this, right? And you had Galilee up here where Jesus did most of his ministry. But obviously, when he, when most people would travel from Galilee, going down to Jerusalem for the, the key events that we teach, right? The, 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 the pilgrimage. Feast that they had to be in Jerusalem three times a year. Right? They would they, they would not go through Samaria. They'd literally cross the river and take the path all the way down here, come down in the path around to Jerusalem. You can kind of see that in the detailed map as well, where you see this path. Here's Jerusalem. They would take this path here and come all the way over to the other side of the Jordan to miss Samaria, right? That's how. But but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said nope. I'm going direct, direct. So he would, Jesus, when he went to Jerusalem, he'd go whoop straight to Galilee. Galilee, straight to Jerusalem. He did not take the other path. Why? Because he wanted to show that the gospel was for everybody, not just the Jews. And that's what's so beautiful about this passage, that when we, when we get into this, is that he was going right to Samaria. And so he sees the woman at the well. He literally went there on purpose, as we talked about last week. And then she starts telling everybody. He picked her because when she was turned from this, this broken down woman into, oh my goodness, you, we don't have to worship at a mountain or Jerusalem. It's gonna be in spirit. That's what he told her, right? And she's so excited. She goes tells starts telling everybody. And so many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now, is that not cool? This is why it's so important for you to understand what your testimony really is. And, and share it. We're going to be encouraging that in praise and prayer on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, we're going to be encouraging that, um, may, maybe even um, on Sunday mornings when we when we expand potentially that. The whole point is is that share your testimony. People like to listen to stories. Uh, so the, the preaching is another thing, right? <laughs> you should not do this. You should do that. Here you should do this. Is, is, is a tough message for most humans to, especially somebody you love, right? Or somebody that you're really close to. But if you just share your testimony, the stories, people love to hear those stories. So she tells her story that happened to her. And what happens? Many Samaritans from the town believed in him, a Jew. They believed in him despite that animosity because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Again, shocking things. They wouldn't even walk through the towns, let alone stay somewhere two days. And here he is, and many more believed because of his word. So why do we get people to believe? We tell them our testimony, and we try to get them intrigued in reading his word, studying his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. Is that not cool? That the Samaritans who hated the Jews are listening to a Jew and realizing that this man's bringing reconciliation. And you're not going to be, they don't have to fight about are we going to worship in Jerusalem or are we going to worship in this mountain? In samaria no you're going to worship in spirit and he starts talking in his word and they believe it and right now we're just going to sing mighty to save because he saves everybody so let's dig into some of the words of what mighty to save talks about as we worship talks about my god an almighty god the lord your god is in your midst a mighty one who will save and he's in the midst of everyone and he rose and conquered that grave That's one thing they didn't even know about now, but they knew this was the Christ, right? Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. That's just the truth that we know about now. But then he showed that proof later when he rose from the dead, and he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the time, most of whom are still alive, when Paul was writing this. In, it says, shine your light on, let the whole world see. This is part of what Jesus is teaching us, I believe. This is what Jesus was teaching everyone, is that we need to shine our light. Don't put it under a table, as you'll see in other scriptures, right? He's mighty to save, so let's put it out. You are the light of the world. A city set in a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others. Let's just celebrate this awesome God who is
1: mighty to save. Well, everyone needs compassion. A love that's never been. Let mercy fall on me But well, everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a savior The hope of a nation Including
0: Samaria Your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save Sephariah 37 so take me as
1: you find me all my fears are failures I fill my life again I give my life to follow everything I believe in now I
0: God is in your midst. Mighty one in the to say That's what this whole song's about. The Samaritans found that out. that again so now we're going to get into the next part of this i'm going to flip over to this other view for a little bit so people feel feel like they're having themselves on camera all the time when they don't want to be maybe but uh, let me flip over to this rest of the scripture here where now we get into after two days he departed for galilee for jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown now this is interesting because this is in a different context of what we've read in other scriptures. Like, if you look at um, here in John 4:39 as an example, uh, that's what I I want to go back to. This, this is this is Jesus rejected at Nazareth here in Matthew 13, right? Where you, where you see he said that prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. When he said this, why? Because they said, in, because they said, is this not the mother's? Is, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not? Is his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? <laughs> and are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town." So they rejected him. Now, right? And so he pretty much went down to Judea, right? So if, uh, looking back at the map, he, he went right back down to Jerusalem and he was doing miracles down here. Right? And so he came, but now he's coming back up here. So this is a little bit different context, which is really interesting to me that after two days, he departed for Galilee. Where, and that's where Nazareth is, by the way. If you, if you go look at the more detailed map I was showing you, you know, Nazareth's right here, right? It's in Galilee. So now he's going here and he's almost reversed what he was saying at first, right? He's basically saying, for Jesus himself has testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown, but he's going back to his home area, and so he. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. So now they welcomed him. The ones that they were rejecting him before, right, pushing him out. Now he's basically become famous, right, because he's healing people and all this, and so why why are they welcoming him now? Having seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So isn't that interesting? So there's a lot of these people who rejected him because they knew him, because the prophet's not known his hometown. Now they saw what was going on at the feast when he was down there in Jerusalem and the amazing things were happening. And then when we went back home, they've now welcomed him. It's a huge change. Some people catch that in the gospels. That's a really big change. That's another thing here about Jesus healing an official son. That we'll, that we'll wrap up this uh, teaching with. And uh, n- and it says, so he g- came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water want to wine. That was his first miracle, right? And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. So now again, going back to the maps, I think it's always fun to just kind of see where all this stuff is happening, right? So you see Cana's right here. It's north of Nazareth, this is where he was born. Then you get north of Nazareth, and then he went over here all the way to where the sea. This is where he called a lot of disciples because it's right on the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to see if I have a map that blows up bigger. You obviously have the Sea of Galilee right here, right? And here's Capernaum right here on the sea, right right there. See, Canaan's over here, Nazareth's right here. So, so again, he, we know he came home and was welcomed by the Galileans, right? Which was a big change when he got rejected at Nazareth. And he went to Cana, where he did the miracle, and now he's all the way to Capernaum. So that's where the story is right now. So if you think about this whole story, he's in Jerusalem at the feast, doing these miracles. And he comes right through Samaria, versus where everybody else goes to, to stay away from Samaria. Sees a woman at the well. By the way, Jacob's well is on that more detailed map right here, right right there. Jacob's well, words, if you can have, have better, right, right by Sychar. So this is probably the path he took right here. He went to Jacob's well before coming through here and coming. And you can see that goes right through Nazareth. So if he was taking the direct path versus this indirect path that most of them took, he would have gone right back to his home of Nazareth. And they're welcoming him now. And then to Cana, and then over all the way to Capernaum. So that's where the story is talking about right now. So he again came, came, so, so here, here he is. And at Caper, Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now this is interesting because it says, uh, that, most people think this is one of the centurions, right? It's not the centurion who went and, and in different parts of scripture you see to help pray for his servant. This is actually his son. So if anybody of you who's watching The Chosen, um, this is probably who they're setting up Gaius to be, right? So you see Gaius right here in this picture with a son, right? Um, that is the sick son. It says theory confirmed here. So pretty sure that that, that son is gonna be who we're talking about right here. Now, that didn't happen in this season, season three. So I think in season four, we're going to see this story we're talking about right now happen on The Chosen, where Gaius' son, uh, the point of death, in, is, is, is going is to come to the Lord, which is going to be a real exciting thing, obviously, to see that in theater style. But um, um, uh, it, it basically says there's an official um, and again, this is this is being a Jewish territory, so the official is Roman and most likely a centurion. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So I, I it's interesting, people have different perspectives on this verse, but I think he's teaching multiple people, right? Because they, maybe they rejected him because they see the signs. We see the uh, scriptures where the Jewish people need to see signs all the time to be able to believe. And he's thinking that, Maybe this, I'm guessing that he's thinking that this guy needed to see a sign, but then he shows his faith by not asking for a sign at all. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And so that just shows his faith right there, right? He didn't, he didn't ask for a sign. He said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. Really similar to the centurion with his servant, but this one's the son. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So we knew they saw the miracle of the in Cana, the water turning to wine. But then they he, then he did other miracles when he was down in Judea, down in Jerusalem at the feast, right? All the way down here in Jerusalem. Again, what I just love, I think the other map kind of shows us better when we just see the division between Samaria and how they walked around it, right? And and now Jesus goes right through. And when he comes back, he's able to do miracles because the faith has increased because people saw him in Jerusalem. Again, there's a couple key messages here, guys, about our testimony. We'll get into those about, about how important it is to be in the Word how, and, and how important it is to understand that we should not, no matter how ugly this division has come in our country today, that we do not want that to keep us from accepting people into the kingdom because it's going to be a great harvest and we need to enjoy that. So I want to talk a little bit uh, as we go into this about now how God can do amazing things to anybody. He can restore them, right? He can turn our shame into glory. He even turned dead bones into armies. And the, American, and the signs that he's done for us, uh, like making season the highways, right? Um, that's a, there's a song that does a beautiful job that is talking about the miracles of God and how we can believe. So I'm going to flip back over to this view here, and we're going to worship now to Graves to Gardens. And Graves into Gardens talks about, Lord, there is nothing better than you. Isn't that not true? There is just nothing better than Jesus, right? Nothing better than the Lord God Almighty, and He's the only one that can do this stuff. And that's where Exodus 8, 10 says that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's Paul talking that in Philippians. And what does God do? He turns mourning, sadness, into dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. And then that's right out of Psalms 30. You have turned to me my mourning to dancing. And to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the mourning, the sadness. He turns sadness into joy. And he turns bones into armies, right out of Ezekiel, a beautiful passage in Ezekiel 37, where he prophesies and behold, a rattling and the bones came together and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet. Can you imagine that? Bones? Can you imagine seeing this? where they start rattling and then all of a sudden they breathe on and all of a sudden... Boom, they come into an exceedingly great army. <laughs> and you turn seas into highways, right? Moses stretched out his hands over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. This is what we celebrate, this God who loves the Sumerians, who loves the Jews, who loves all of us. And he's gonna do miracles for us and we're gonna see it in this day and age. that seeing graves in the gardens.
1: Search the world.
0: know that there is no one like the Lord God I can't everything get lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is that just not beautiful <laughs> I just love that I wanted to uh, go back into this a little bit and just summarize some of this that we just learned today so again I think God is telling us quit walking around and go right through Samaria There's a lot of hurting people out there. I believe God's calling them. He's going to move on their hearts and they're going to come to the Lord like the prophet Robin Bullock was saying. They're going to be the pierced and the tattooed and the cowboys and people you may not like right now. Just like the Jews didn't like the Sumerians. But he went into Samaria. Because he loved the world. He loves people, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they've done in their past. And then we need to do the same. We need to prepare for that. To go through Samaria, and maybe we'll get this uh, reaction that we just saw here, where we see the many Samaritans believed Another piece of this is to is, is why did they believe and what do we what should we do? They believe because of the woman's testimony. And I believe many of you have awesome testimonies. and, and that should be hidden. All right And you may not have testimonies not of, of coming to Christ. that's just awesome, but testimonies of what he's done in your life. So let's not hide those testimonies that we have our testimonies of how christ did save us originally yes that's very important to share but share what god's doing in your life on a regular basis and we're going to have the opportunity for you to do that as we go and praise in prayer and we share every single monday and thursday for an hour and a half come with us and join us there Another big part of this is just to understand that once we do share our testimony, once we get into His Word, then many more believe because of His Word. Many more believe because of His Word. That is uh, obviously telling us exactly what all the prophets have been telling us for this day and age. Stay in the Word. Get close to Him right now, right? And, where they, and they spent time with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus because he was there for two days. So what are we to do this time? We're right before the great harvest. We share our testimonies. We spend time with Jesus. We get into his word. And what's gonna happen? What are we gonna see? We're gonna see people say, I no longer because of your believe because of your testimony, because I've experienced God for myself. I know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's what's gonna happen, I believe, in a major way, like never before in the history of the world. We get to be a part of the great harvest. So this is not the time to hide. This is the time to be bold. This is the time to understand. But I did wanna come back to those of you who might be watching this and going, I wanna have that faith. (laughs) Maybe you have not actually accepted Jesus as your savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do just that because this is a this is an important time guys. God's coming. He's separating his children from those that don't know him. He loves everybody. He doesn't want anybody to perish but it's up to you not him. He's knocking at the door. You have an opportunity to come to him but you have to accept the free gift. The good news is it doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, the Samaritans worshiped the wrong God. They worshiped the wrong way. Many of them were not even religious at all. They were rebellious all the way to the core. But when they heard the testimony of the truth, when they heard, spent some time with Jesus, when they got into his word and heard his word, they knew he was the savior of the world. He's got to be your personal savior. That's the free gift that's offered. It's a free gift of salvation. So if you want the free gift of salvation, you have to take the gift. When somebody gives you a gift, you have to open it, right? Now there's nothing you do for that. And it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. That's really important. Many people get stuck on that. Don't get stuck on that. This is an open invitation to everybody. Everybody just needs to repent, understand, that they are sinful. That's what Romans 3.20 clearly tells us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short. We all are not going to be in heaven unless we are perfect and lived all the laws. Or we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. And since it's impossible to live all live all the laws, I have 613 laws in the Old Testament for your entire life. It's not going to happen, is it? So all I'm asking you is to make sure that you understand you are a sinner just like I am, just like everyone is. But we can be forgiven sinners and be walking with the authority of Christ in our lives and walking um, like that song we just sang. We, he can turn our shame into glory. So do that right now. Make sure you accept Jesus as your savior with me by just saying the simple prayer. It's not that hard guys, this is something that just needs to understand you are a sinner in your mind, repent of those sins, and then accept Jesus Christ in your heart. And it's got to be in your heart. Remember, it's not just knowing Jesus is the Savior of the world, it's coming out to Him, spending time with Him, and it's basically its in your heart, right? Remember, demons know who Jesus is in the head, right? So does Satan. But they, re- they rejected Him as their Savior. So you have to accept Him as your Savior in your heart. Okay, so say this after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for dying for my sins, sending Jesus to die for my sins. I know I'm sinful, I repent of that. And I know I need a savior and I know Jesus is that savior of the world. Just like the Samaritans realized that after hearing testimonies, after spending time with Jesus and after hearing his words. So we've just read his word in the Bible Lord, and I understand that. I've heard the testimony of many people. And I want to start spending more time with Jesus. So I just ask that he becomes my personal savior. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And he's still living today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Work with me. Allow me to be part of this great harvest and love others into the, your kingdom. Send the Holy Spirit so I can live a better life. I love you, Lord, and I say these things in the name of Jesus, amen. That's what this is all about. And for those of you who've already been walking, I'm mad discouraging you to use this scripture to, to do what, 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 what Jesus did. He was bold, walked right through Samaria. He did it to bring the lost people. So be bold in your faith. Give your testimony, not just your testimony, how you were saved, but your testimony is what God's doing in your life. And spend time with Jesus. Spend time in his word. That's what we've done there. Now we're going to go backstage, and we're going to, uh, those of you who have a backstage pass, get back there. Can You can uh, get that at blessedteach.com. It's free. So just go to blessedteach.com and go to the backstage tab. And uh, we'd love to have you back there where we'll just do some Q&A. We'll read the scripture one more time real quick and just do some Q&A and just do description on that and, and also do another song or two. I'm gonna end with one song though. This is the Revelation song. Uh, there's so many great songs and we put video to them all now and making sure you can understand the lyrics and what what, what does it really mean? What do these songs mean as you attach to the scripture? Right? Here's, uh, this talks about that Jesus that's a lamb. Worthy is a lamb who was slain Revelation talks about saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to so receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor, glory and blessing. And it's talking about we um, so many of these beautiful, beautiful pieces of music talk about singing new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. And Revelation 5.8 talks about the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, and they sang a new song. So even in the future, we're gonna keep we're always gonna be singing new songs to him. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, and you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark. There I will meet you. God meets us at the mercy seat. Jesus' blood, though, was shed. So we can actually meet God at this mercy seat of Christ's blood now that's what that last hebrews 9 talks about but when christ appeared as the high priest and enters once and for all into the holy places by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption as we just talked about and who was who was and is and is to come revelation 1 8 says i am the alpha the omega says the lord god who is and who was and is to come he's the alpha and omega he's always existed what a beautiful time to just sing to the Lord right now. It's called Revelation song and we're just gonna worship Him right now and then we're gonna go backstage. appeared as a high priest he entered once and for all in the holy place by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption He's saying with a loud voice worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing we get to worship him with that guys we're gonna be going backstage right now so join us again this is a ministry all about you all about people coming together as a remnant. So join us. We're gonna be going back there right now to discuss the scripture a little bit more. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.